Welcome to the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This podcast was created as a way to provide education and connection to the women of Middle Tennessee. My goal is to connect you with local women's health and fitness providers so you know what services are available in your area. I am your host, Amy Bailey. I'm a local women's health physical therapist, yoga instructor, and life coach. Thank you for joining the podcast and being a part of this amazing community. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This is your host, Amy Bailey, and today I decided just to kind of flip the switch. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I do as a pelvic floor physical therapist, because over the last year, what I've realized is people just are not aware that there is help for some of the issues that I treat, and people don't even understand what pelvic physical therapists do. So I recruited a friend of mine. Today, I have Megan joining me. Hey, Megan. Hello. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. So Megan is a mom of two and pregnant with her third right now. And um, I asked her the other day, I said, you know, what are some reasons people don't seek a pelvic floor PT? So this conversation is just based on our conversation the other day and just thought we'd elaborate it and have it in front of you guys so you can kind of understand where we're coming from and hopefully get a little bit of understanding about what I do. So let's talk, Megan. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest... The, the, the number one reason that came to my brain when you asked me that was we just have no idea that, well, what it is, and then mm-hmm. that we need it. Yeah. That, you know, we have, we just have no idea, like, what it all entails and, like, what all is a part of that and what all, um, I'm, like, totally drawing a blank on the word, but, like, affects and can, like, play into having, you know, some, some concerns in that area of our body. I think, and I've realized this over the last year, I think as physical therapists, we have done a disservice to the community by not educating better on what we do. And so there's a real gap and a real need for us who do this to get the word out and to tell everybody, like shout it from the rooftop, start a podcast, whatever. But You know, just really educate not just um, providers, such as nurse practitioners or physicians, but also educate the community and women that were out here. for sure. And I think that that's, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head there because, I mean, like like you said, I've I've had two children and I didn't even know that this was something that I should be keeping my eye on or something that I should be concerned about or something I should be seeking treatment for, you know, like, I know we joke about it, but... um, you know, uh, pee in your pants when you jump on the trampoline with your kids or do some (laughs) jump rope or whatever. Like that's, that doesn't need to be normal. It's not normal. It is not normal. (laughs) And everybody's heard me say it. That's come in contact with me. It's common, but it's not normal. For sure. Yeah. So just so anybody is out there and wants some education in this area, wants me to come to your house with a group of friends or to your place of business and do a workshop, I would love that. So hit me up. I will give you my information at the end, but I want to spread the word about what pelvic floor physical therapy is and what we do. So if you have a friend, a a sister, you know, anybody that you know that might need the services, you know who to reach out to. And it's not just me. We actually have a pretty significant number of pelvic floor physical therapies in the Nashville area, which is um, rare. I mean, a lot of places don't have one pelvic floor PT and we have several. So yeah, it's great. I love the city for doing things like that. But um, 
You know, I think getting the word out and people really understanding what we treat. People understand if I tear my ACL, I go to a PT and get rehab so I can get back on the soccer field or I hurt my back. I go to PT so I can stand up or pick up my child. But people don't know, hey, if I have pain with intercourse, there's somebody that can help me. Or if I leak when I jump on the trampoline or if I have constipation or pelvic pain or endometriosis, there is such a huge range of things that we treat. Um, and it's not just the pelvic floor. I think, um, you know, that's kind of what we label ourselves, but we treat the entire body. And I think we take a very holistic approach. A lot of times we do educate on diet and how diet can affect pain or stress. Um, we educate on mobility and movement and, you know, how to get your body in the best shape after a baby or how to, you know, prepare for labor. There are so many pieces. We see people post mastectomy. We see people, this is a big one, and people don't realize this, but a lot of people are getting um, their breast implants removed. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a huge surge in this, and so we treat people post breast augmentation removal. So just so many key areas that people just don't even understand what we do. I think you touched on something so huge about, um, honestly, like, some people are probably just embarrassed to even talk about this, mm. embarrassed to even just tell like their midwife or their OBGYN or, you know, their personal care physician that they've been seeing for years. Like they don't want to go in there and say, Hey, when I have sex with my husband, it hurts or, yeah, you know, like they, they, just, people, women don't know that they can talk about this. And I think that that's a huge a huge reason why we're just not seeking out the help. Yeah, and I want to take that stigma away from it and being embarrassed. I hear it all, or I've heard most all of it, and you know, when you hear so many things over time, you just have compassion for people, and you don't judge. You don't even care what has happened or why. You just want to help them feel better and get better and live the life that they want. So taking that shame out of it is huge, and also allowing people the space to tell their story. So many times people have never shared what they've been through. Um, whether it was a traumatic birth, whether it was peeing on the soccer field before they had even ever been pregnant, whether it was, you know, a history of sexual abuse or trauma. Um, just and that's probably therapeutic just in and of itself. Just telling to it. talk about it. Mm -hmm. And just understanding that there is no judgment and whoever's standing in front of you wants you to get better. And, um, you know, I get it. Nobody wants, it is embarrassing to think I may have to drop my pants and go see someone. Nobody even wants to go see the gynecologist because of that reason. Sure. I do think though that if you could say, yeah, you might have to do this, but this is what I could probably help you with. I think you'd have a line around the block of women <laughs> being like, please help me. Yeah. And by the time I get that call, people are desperate and I want to reach people before they are desperate. You know, because by then it takes so much longer to get better. If we can reach people before they have a problem and they're educated in what might happen, then we can head off some issues. Or when the problem first starts, if they could seek out, if that first time they jump on a trampoline and they pee, they sought out somebody and nip it in the bud quickly, their healing occurs so much quick, you know, yeah, quicker. So, so yeah, totally. yeah, but yeah, I mean. I tell people, you know, when I do an evaluation, I am a lot of times, now not every time do I do a pelvic floor exam, but a lot of times I do because it gives me information on the strength of the pelvic floor muscles, the length of the pelvic floor muscles, and the coordination of them. It also gives me ideas on if something is painful and where it hurts or if you have numbness, but not every evaluation requires that. So I want to be upfront with people and say, you know, just because you see me doesn't mean that you are going to get a vaginal exam. You, and you might, and you might even get a rectal exam, but you know, <laughs> it, 
It's all an effort to make you feel better, I promise. Yeah. What questions do you have about that? That's interesting, you know, the embarrassment or what happens even at an exam. You know, um, I think I think as a woman, I mean, I even just said this to my midwife the other day, you know, hey, we're going to have this appointment. What should I be prepared for? Mm-hmm. You know, just because, you know, we want to, want to know what we're walking into, even, yeah. even though I've had two children and I've had a hospital birth and a home birth and, you know, I'm sure all the moms out there know when you have kids, you kind of just, your, your privacy and, and that just kind of walks right out the door. You don't really care Mm -hmm. who sees you and how they're seeing you, Yeah. but it still, it still matters. I think when you're not in labor or not in that kind of a position, but for sure, like knowing what, you know, what lies ahead for an appointment and, honestly, like what's down there? I mean, Mm. you talking about doing an exam so that you can find out all of this kind of information. I mean, that's just stuff that we, obviously we carry around with us every day, but we just have no idea about. And how powerful is that to know? And how, how amazing to think about we could get better and improve our life, you know, past just, not peeing when we jump rope right. or all that kind of stuff to, to even like have a healthier life. I think it's important for women to understand our bodies, you know, to even take a mirror and look down there, which a lot of women don't want to do, you know, but to see what's normal. What do I normally look like down there? What do I look like when I'm pregnant down there? What do I look like after I give birth <laughs> down there? You know, or after I've had a traumatic experience, it might not even be a birth. What if I fell on my tailbone in, I say soccer because I'm a soccer player, but, you know, a basketball game, a volleyball game. What if I have a coccyx fracture? You know, understanding what our bodies look like in different phases when we're healthy versus when we're injured or sick or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But understanding that our pelvis holds so much of our even body weight, our bones, our muscles, our nerves. There's a hotbed of nerves right in that area. Because what do we do out of that area? We pee, we poop, we have sexual relations. Like there is a lot of feeling that happens in that area. So understanding, you know, it supports our organs, Um, our uterus if we're a woman, you know, our ovaries, our bladder, our bowels, our stomach, everything kind of lays on top of our pelvis. So it balances and supports our bodies. And so for women to even know, hey, this area shouldn't be blocked. It's pretty important. You need to, you may not want to know it to the depth that I know it, but you need to understand. (laughs) Dan. But that's just, I mean, that's just so crazy to me. I mean, obviously I've, I've been a woman my whole life and it's <laughs> not something that, it's not something that you're ever taught no. that, that that's, you know, a huge aspect of, of your health as a woman. I mean, I think I'm, I'm sure we've all seen like those bla- bladder sling commercials <laughs> yeah. and like, how horrifying is that to think that, oh, I had some kids and I had them vaginally, or even if you had a cesarean, because mm-hmm. it's, the same, it's the same kind of pressure. It is. But, you know, years down the road, you're going to have to have something up there that's going to keep your bladder from coming out of you. Yeah. Like, that's frightening. And people, you know, especially I think when you reach that age, it's kind of just like, oh, okay, well, that's what I need to do, I guess. And people just aren't talking about it. They don't. And I think people are surprised when they have a pelvic organ prolapse and they've had a cesarean or multiple cesareans and they don't realize, hey, I did not vaginally push a baby out of my body. Why do I have a prolapse? You still carried weight of a baby on your body, but you also exerted pressure your whole life with picking up things, sneezing, coughing, and there are ways to educate women 
to support their bodies to limit their risk of a prolapse. You know, so getting that early on education to people that it's not just people who've had babies. I mean, men can have a prolapse, you know, it's just, it's different. Obviously their anatomy is different, but you know, things um, that happen in our body, men can have diastasis, which people don't really think, oh, it's just pregnant people that have diastasis. No, it's not, you know, it can be weightlifters. It can, it can really happen to a lot of different people. So just that education again is key. Um, I, I think I got off track, but I wanted to go back to like what happens at the pelvic floor exam because you mentioned, you know, just having that original phone call and knowing what to expect. Um, I do home visits and so I pack up everything and I go to your home, which is hopefully a comfortable space for you. Oh, and absolutely. I, I think that that's awesome. And I allow plenty of time. I set aside a full hour and a half so I can get your full story and build trust and get comfortable. And, you know, and I tell every woman that, if we decide to do a vaginal or rectal exam, you can stop me at any time. We do not have to go entirely through it if you're not comfortable. You know, it's fine. And so I want them to understand that they are in control and that I am there to help them. And I don't use a speculum. I use my hand. So I, you know, I've had plenty of pap smears and I know how uncomfortable a speculum can be. I mean, oh, we yeah, all, we go lovely. through it. You know, they're <laughs> lovely. Right. And so by using a gloved finger, um, I think the comfort level, people are usually surprised that it's not painful. Unless they are coming to me with a painful disorder, for the most part, a vaginal exam is not painful. And um, I like invasive or yeah. almost um, violating. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't want anybody to feel violated. No. <laughs> no, but it gives so much information. I mean, even your bicep, do you truly know what's happening with it if you don't put your hand on it and feel the muscle contracting and relaxing? Um, I think it's important to actually assess from a clinical standpoint what the muscles internally are doing. And so we get a good idea. Are they truly able to relax? Are they truly contracting? And can they do that on command? Because sometimes people have trouble coordinating that. And I may say contract and they bear down like they're having a bowel movement. Or I may say relax and they squeeze their pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. And most people don't even know if they're doing that correctly or not. That's incredible. And I yeah, think... You know, there's a big conversation right now about don't ever do Kegels. Um, and I do prescribe Kegels, not to everybody. Um, but there's a time and a place where I think they are beneficial. But I think some of the heat on this conversation has come because most people don't know how to do them correctly. And sometimes it was just a one fix. Like, oh, you have incontinence, do a bunch of Kegels. And people were Kegeling themselves crazy <laughs> and ending up with a tight pelvic floor and with some other issues. So I think that conversation needs to be reopened and say, yes, there's a time and a place for a Kegel. And a Kegel is not just squeezing your pelvic floor, but squeezing and relaxing your pelvic floor. It has to be both sides. It cannot just be a squeeze. We have to fully use our muscle to its potential, just like we would any other normal muscle. So, yeah, I mean, did that even answer your question at all? Like when I come to your house? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's, that's huge, especially that you come to our home and it's kind of our space and mm -hmm. we could find some peace and calm. And I mean, if we've got something serious going on, there's some comfort in that, that, yeah. you know, we're in our, we're in our area. You know, and people always say to me, well, I have a toddler at home. Um, you know what? That's fine. I have three kids. I get <laughs> Life is crazy. Right now. We're just hoping it doesn't come down. <laughs> you know, and I have I have a patient with seven kids, and all seven of her kids are always at home when I'm there, and I don't mind. You know, so that's just part of it. You have a family, you have a life. You know, 
Um, yeah. So what else? What are some of the reasons people might not seek pelvic floor PT? You know, um, maybe that they think that um, what's going on is normal or no big deal or mm -hmm. like, oh, this is, you know, this is okay. I can get by. Like, this isn't that bad or... yeah. For sure, I've had a couple kids. Like this is probably normal. Oh, and my sister went through this, and mm -hmm. oh, my neighbor did the same thing, and um, you know, just thinking that it's almost like a sentence, right? Almost like it just comes with the the territory. Yeah. Oh, it's genetic. Everybody in my family had it. Well, mm -hmm. there might be a genetic component, but does that mean we don't need to fix it, or at Treat least it? try to yeah. fix it? Yeah. Um, and, and I want to get rid of that stigma that it is normal, especially after you've had kids. I've had three children. I can go jump on my trampoline. I'm fine. Now, saying that, after my third, I went and jumped on the trampoline and <laughs> peed all over myself. And I was so surprised, y'all. Seriously, like I had to go change my pants. I was so embarrassed. My kids made fun of me. Um, and I, I nipped it in the bud. I was like, uh-uh, this is not going to be my sentence. I'm going to fix this. And I did the work. You know, I did what I tell people to do. And I can easily go jump on my trampoline now. And I don't even think about it now. I don't worry. Um, so I want that for everyone. If you want to go jump on your trampoline or run with your kids and play, like I want that for you. But, you know, there's a, a group of people who've never had kids and have that issue and think it's normal. And yeah, I, true. you know, I know CrossFitters who wear diapers to CrossFit. Our pads, huge pads. Um, like the birth pads. Yeah, <laughs> because they don't want to stop their activity, and I never want to discourage someone for, from stopping. You know, I want people to be active. I want you to exercise before you're pregnant, when you're pregnant, after you're pregnant, when you're menopausal. Like, I want you to exercise <laughs> your entire life. There are so many benefits that outweigh any risks, um, but I don't want you to have to feel like you have to wear a pad when you do that, too, and that just saying it's normal it's, or it's fine. I'm not going to stop CrossFit, so I'm going to wear a pad, you know? Yeah, and I think it's really important also to talk about how everybody is different. Like, um, there's not like a one-size-fits-all solution to no. like a postpartum um, treatment plan. You know, I think that we could definitely Google like, what should I do mm -hmm. here or this and that. And without knowing like the, you know, real ins and outs of what's really going on like you said you don't know exactly what your bicep is doing unless you're in there checking it out googling or WebMDing or anything like that you know broad spectrum symptoms isn't necessarily gonna do what it needs to do for you yeah I'm so glad you brought that up that I've treated several people who've come to me with back pain or incontinence but after they bought a program online for postpartum fitness and I don't want to knock these programs because there are great programs out there I have looked at several of them several people have given me their log on so I can check them out and give them suggestions and especially if they've bought a program I want I don't want them to waste their money yeah so I'm like how can we make this work for you but I think people should at least be assessed before by a PT before they start a program because those programs are for the generalized public. They are not individualized, just like you said. I mean, I could, I came across one um, that just wouldn't be appropriate for somebody that maybe had um, more of like a diastasis recti than than I had, or mm -hmm. I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really experience that. But 
somebody that had a more severe case shouldn't be doing the movements that I was finding. Yeah. So I thought, you know, that was kind of misleading and mm-hmm. yeah, and they're all well intended, but sure. just not, you know, not applicable to everybody. Right. And like I said, a lot of those programs are really great and I do prescribe them to people when I'm done with them. Hey, you've done great with me. Now you're ready. Go hit, yes, you know? Yeah. Um, but you mentioned an interesting point with the diastasis because some people can do a plank just fine and some people can't. And I think it's important that somebody look at you to see, can you do that correctly? Or do we need to scale back a little bit in order for you to be able to do that correctly? Yeah, for sure. And when you buy one of those programs, there's nobody looking at you, looking at your form, looking at your breath and how you're breathing or if you're coordinating your breathing correctly, if you're bearing down when you're squatting or doing an activity. So Although I do think there are great programs out there, I think at least get an evaluation by Pelvic Floor PT and just see where you are and then, you know. Go from there. Yeah, go from there. Because like I said, I want people to be active. And sometimes it's just easier to do an online program than to get to a gym or a class. You don't have to worry about childcare or driving or anything (laughs) else. So if that's what it takes for you to be active, let's do it. Let's get you an online program. But let's make sure you can do the movements correctly going into it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. I think that's super important. Yeah. So one thing you had brought up to me or someone brought up to me was it's taboo for women to talk about our private parts. There is some shame associated with that. Yes. I I definitely think that that is, um, that is something for sure. I think that as women, we've kind of just been taught or learned or seen to just not talk about it, not, um, draw attention to it. Um, like I said before, oh, you know, Aunt Sally had that problem or, you know, uh, so-and-so was always doing this and look at how her life turned out now or any of those kinds of things. And I just think as women, we need to rally together more than we need to be. (laughs) My cat's playing with my papers here. Sorry. (laughs) Little distraction. (laughs) We need to rally together and like find common ground rather than like feeling shameful and um, embarrassed yeah. that we're talking about our vaginas or do men feel shame when they talk about their penis? <laughs> I think they feel pride. Probably. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Why don't we feel the same? You I know, think we should. We I mean, should. For sure, we should. <laughs> yeah, and it is a part of our body. So if we have an issue, we should be able to put it out there without judgment. Totally. And you don't want to put it out there on Facebook. You no. know what I'm saying? But <laughs> for sure. <laughs> to be able to talk to a provider or a friend and find the help that you need um, and just even to understand it, you know, because we have issues. You know, we might have incontinence. We might have pelvic pain. We might have painful periods. We might have pain with intercourse cramping, discharge, there's all sorts of things, burning, itching. There are things that if they come up, we need to just not ignore it because then what happens? It becomes a bigger problem. It gets worse. It gets worse. And then it gets harder to treat like we talked about earlier. And I think too, like, I mean, burning and itching, like what's the first thing you think of is that, well, you probably have some kind of disease or infection or something. And that's not always the case. No. And I think, I mean, that's really what, we're taught in mm-hmm. sex ed in what, fifth, oh, sixth, seventh yeah. grade, that it's, you know, oh, that's dirty or that's not okay or there's something wrong with you. So there's more shame there. Yeah. And sometimes burning and itching is just a hormonal shift. 
Sometimes, yeah, pH balance yeah. something, yeah. Sometimes it's the wrong type of cleanser that you're using, and I don't ever recommend women use any type of soap or douche or cleanser. Um, but if you have to, you know, don't use anything scented or yeah. fragrance for sure because it's very irritating to our yeah, bodies. Tampons and, I mean, I know yeah. you're kind of just a menstrual cup girl sometimes. <laughs> 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 you um, know, pros and cons. Some people can use the cup. Some people can't. That's probably a whole podcast, to be honest. Probably. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. just, you know, like, I mean, what do we all buy? Like, we buy Post-it notes because we need a, we need a note that has a sticky on it, right? Mm-hmm. So what do we buy? We buy Tampax tampons because we need a tampon. Like, yeah. That's just where we go. And mm-hmm. just, unfortunately, it's just not healthy for us. Yeah, there can be a lot of irritation with certain brands or materials. Yeah, definitely looking into that. If something doesn't work, try a different brand, you know, or a cup or just use pads. I have plenty of patients who just use pads because they can't tolerate inserting a tampon, you know, and that's something I work with people on. If inserting anything, not just penis, but, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things we can insert into our vagina. And if it's painful, Let's talk about that. Let's work on that because if you want to wear a tampon, you should be able to wear a tampon or a cup, you know, or tolerate a vaginal exam from your provider. Absolutely. All those are important things. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, when I see people, it's really putting a puzzle together. When people come to me with incontinence, there are many different reasons that people can leak. And so teasing that out and really understanding their history and assessing their strength, their mobility, their function, and seeing what is the real reason you're leaking. Let's not just throw some kegels at it. Let's really see what's going on and get you on a plan to help decrease that leaking. Yeah. Yeah. Leaking, decreasing, copyright. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, just going back to the itching and burning, I mean, if you have urine on your skin, it's it might irritate it and burn, you know? So just educating people that the burning and itching might not be an STD. It might be because of your incontinence, you know? And what yeah. do we need to do is just, you know, wipe ourselves with some warm water more frequently or, you know, change our clothes. And sometimes that's not an option if we're at work or going about our day or at CrossFit or whatever, but just trying to figure out how we can stay dry and how we can stay clean in order to decrease that irritation. For sure. I wanted to bring up just, I didn't want to throw a lot of stats in here, but just to let people know that one in four women will suffer from pelvic floor dysfunction in their lifetime. So just getting the word out there and seeing a pelvic floor PT and the benefits of that is huge because one in four, that's a lot of women. That is a lot of women. It is. And again, I just want to reiterate, like it's not just for postpartum. It is, I see a lot of young athletes that leak. I have a gymnast and a soccer player in my family and the stats associated with any sport where you're jumping or hitting or, you know, exerting a lot of force um, repeatedly on the body, even running. though we think yeah. running, yes, yeah. distance running, even though we think um, these athletes are strong and they are and they're very coordinated, they may not be breathing correctly and that can lead to incontinence. And they may, that's why they need to understand their body. It's so important for young women to understand their body, especially if they're going to be involved in these high level activities. And so starting that conversation early, I think, is really important. And, you know, I don't always talk about the vagina with my young athletes, but I may talk about posture and breathing and coordination of movements and get them to working their pelvic floor muscles without even realizing they're doing it with certain strengthening activities. And that's so smart to do, I mean, proactively for sure. Yeah, we're catching them before it's a major problem later on in their life. Yeah. Yeah. 
another thing I just wanted to mention is I do host a pelvic pain support group. This um, actually came to me because of a client that I have, and she, um, again, has not had children. She suffers with endometriosis, and um, she had a situation where she was in pain on her bathroom floor, and her friend left her. Um, her friend didn't know how to handle it because those conversations had not been had. They're generally not had. We kind of um, suffer in silence when we have chronic pain or pain because we think people won't understand. So I think opening the conversations and finding support of like people who will understand what we're going through is huge. Um, yeah, and my hope too is that people that are in that pain, they they don't feel like a burden. Yes. You know? That's, it's heartbreaking to think that people that are suffering so badly um, feel like a burden because it's just not. No, it's not. And so I did start a pelvic pain support group with the help of this particular client. And so once a month we meet in East Nashville. And so if you do have pelvic pain or you know someone with pelvic pain, reach out to me, please. We'd love to have you as part of the group. I'm really just a facilitator there. I'm not even, I just wanted to get it started. So I really want the group to take ownership of the people who are in it. Um, so I don't want to throw her address out here for the world, but reach out to me and I'll definitely share that um, so you have more information. We'd love to have everybody there. And if you are a healthcare provider and would like to come and speak to this group, please reach out. Uh, the more the merrier. Really want to get education out there too. So please reach out to me. That's awesome. Thank you. So anything else that I need to talk about that you think the public might need to know? Um, I think just, you know, you, how incredible you are. Aww, and thanks. I just, Honestly, if I ever come across people, I just say, you know, Amy Bailey's your girl. Like, <laughs> she just has the kindest and warmest soul, and she'll just be with you and, and listen. And I think that that's so important. Like I said before, therapeutic. Um, just in telling your story, I think, is so huge. Yeah. That emotional release, I think, is, is a big deal. I have a lot of people that come to me and say, I wish I would have had you win, either when I had pelvic pain, when I had kids, when I had whatever. And I don't want people to have to say that anymore. I want them to have the support they need, whether it's me or another therapist. I want people to not have to say, I wish I would have had it when I needed it. I want you to have it. I want you to seek it out. I want providers to recommend it. I want friends to recommend it to their friends. Like It is important that people get the help they need. So yeah, thank you, Megan, so thank much, you much so for joining much me. For having me. If anyone has questions or wants to uh, join the podcast and talk more about women's health, or have me come and do a workshop, or um, come and talk to our pelvic pain group, please reach out to me. Um, you can find me. I'm pretty active on Instagram as the pelvic yogi, or you can find me. You can email me. Um, I have two email addresses. My business name is Tara Lotus, so you can email me at Amy at Tara Lotus. And that is A-I-M-E-E -E at Tara Lotus or Amy at thepelvicyogi.com. So, sorry, Amy at TaraLotus.com. I think I forgot that part. Or Amy at thepelvicyogi.com. So all of those addresses will be in the show notes too. But um, just want to thank everybody who's participated in the podcast. I've gotten great feedback. And this is just, um, it comes from my heart. And I just really want people to know the services that are available to them. Not just pelvic floor PT, but acupuncture, chiropractic doula services, personal trainers, nutritionists. I really, massage therapists, like the list is on and on and on. And I've got some other guests coming on who do some really cool things for the Nashville area too. So just really excited about the podcast, excited about what's upcoming and how we're helping Nashville and the women of Nashville. So again, thank you so much, Megan. And thank you. everybody have a great day.